What up? It is another episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the latest episode, and big thanks uh, for all of you tuning in to the the last episode. That was one of our more more popular ones out there, so big thanks uh, for that. If you're not subscribing to the podcast, what the heck are you doing? You're missing out. We're available on all the podcasting platforms out there to make sure you rate us, too, so that uh, other football fans can uh can find the podcast believe it or not we're in the final quarter of the regular season for the nfl yeah final quarter going on right now it's it's coming to a close here pretty quickly uh but uh we still got uh, some big games left and a lot of uh uh stuff to be decided playoff seedings all that good stuff so what do we got on the docket here well we'll uh talk with chance dickman and neil abair for another segment of Unnecessary Roughness. We've got Matt Poliak for after further review. Uh, then I'll end up the podcast with uh, with my one little, I call it soapbox or whatever, we call it hard count, my one uh, commentary thing. But you know the drill. We get things started off on every podcast with... No huddle. All right, so we got the Giants and the Washington uh, football team as the cream of the crop in the NFC East right now, both sitting there at 5-7. and seven. So who's going to come out on top? Well, a few weeks ago, one of my hot takes was I was going to go with the Giants uh, to win it, but I'll still stick with it. But Washington right now, uh, with, with Alex Smith uh, playing quarterback for them, I kind of almost want to change it just a little bit but uh what patrick graham the defensive coordinator for the for the new york giants is doing right now with with that squad is is pretty impressive and that was a huge win for the giants over the seattle seahawks this previous week that i mean that that's a signature win right there i know signature wins don't count and don't matter in the nfl but lord that was a big win for for the giants there and then of course washington with a big win too both teams with big wins washington handing the pittsburgh steelers uh with their first loss of the season giants did it with a backup quarterback colt mccoy but he is a veteran uh out there but i don't know this might be a little bit of a interesting race to the finish uh here for for the end of the uh for the end of the season for uh both uh washington and new york and who's going to win uh the nfc east over there but uh this is actually in shape it i mean it's still these teams are probably gonna maybe at best finish 500 more maybe more likely to finish a little bit under 500 but a little bit of intrigue now for for the nfc east to see who's gonna uh come away with that division but the thing is with 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 uh with the giants and the washington football team they're gonna get that four seed and I don't know. I guess I wouldn't be that surprised because we we've seen some weird stuff in the NFL throughout uh, throughout its history, but I wouldn't be that surprised to see uh, potentially one of these two teams win their first playoff game, win one playoff game. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised on that. We'll see how everything kind of shakes out uh, here. But uh, Washington and New York uh, race to the finish for the NFC East. And speaking of Washington, uh, Washington handing Pittsburgh their first loss of the season. Now it has everybody wondering who is the number one team. Well, I, I would say a lot of people already had the Kansas City Chiefs as the number one team uh, out there. But a uh, good chunk still at Pittsburgh. I mean, undefeated. Uh, I got to give them credit where credit's due. Good t- a good solid team over there as well. Uh, there was always kind of like that thing about, about Pittsburgh that – you know, I was one of them that maybe a lot of people weren't sold as the best team in the league. I mean, they they, they got a good offense. They, they've got a good defense over there. But there was just something. I, I really can't put my finger on it. So, really, who is the number one team right now? Um, I'll, I'll go with the Kansas City Chiefs as, as my number one team. I'm putting Pittsburgh still at number two. Uh, and then uh, New Orleans... Oh man, it's it's between Pittsburgh and, and New Orleans at, uh, at at number two, but I, I think I'm going to go right now with the slightest of edge to to Pittsburgh at number two, then New Orleans sitting there right at number three, and then it gets interesting for uh, for number four. Uh, you've got Green Bay, you've got <laughs> Cleveland uh, with a nine and three record. I'd probably go with Green Bay at nine and three, 
And then when you look at uh, who would be the fifth best team, probably Buffalo. I, I, I'd, I'd probably throw Buffalo in there. So uh, my top five teams right now with that Pittsburgh loss, I'm going to go with Kansas City. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Uh, New Orleans is like right behind them, though. Um, I just currently right now I like the, the their quarterback position a little bit better. I don't know what the stats is going to be of Drew Brees or or you know if Taysom Hill can continue to play at at this level. Uh, but Green Bay at four, and then Buffalo at five, and then you know speaking of some of those teams, you know. A lot of years we talk about, you know, is this a defensive year where a lot of the teams represented in the playoffs or the, or the conference finals or conference championships, excuse me, you can kind of look at, well, that those are defensive teams. Like, like 2017, for example, you had Philly and Minnesota in the conference championship, both backup quarterbacks, you know, Case Keenum and Nick Foles, and, and they played extremely well those years to, to help their teams, but they were highlighted by defense. And then you look at the AFC championship game. Uh, you had the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New England Patriots. Again, that year was defense, although the Patriots had Tom Brady, but uh, they had a pretty dang good defense that year too, and then Jacksonville uh, was just dominant on defense uh, that year. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, we usually have those years where if it's defined by, you know, it's a defensive year, maybe the defenses are ahead of the offenses that year and vice versa. I think this year it's it's more of an offensive uh, type of year. You know, last year in the NFC, we looked at, like, San Francisco, and that was a dominant defense, right? Just a dominant defense over there. Kansas City won it with, with their offense, with, with Patrick Mahomes and such. But I think more so this year, the top teams uh, are more known for their offense. Uh, Kansas City. Uh, Pittsburgh's got a good defense, but they got a lot of receiving weapons for, for Ben Roethlisberger there, too. Uh, New Orleans' defense is playing better. But again, it's a lot of different uh, offensive weapons and creativity. Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Green Bay with, with their offense. Uh, even Buffalo, it, it's more known for their offense and, and with Josh Allen, uh, the, the level that he's playing at right now. So um, I think this is an offensive year. You know, years it's kind of a cycle in the NFL. One year it might be a defensive year where the defenses have the advantages over the offenses. Um, and then some years, which which I think is this year, the offense has the advantage over over defenses. You know, certain teams might be different, like like Baltimore. You know, last year their offense was on fire, but not so much this year. But you, you look at some teams that you think of like they're known for defense – well, it's not the case this year. It's mostly known for their offense, like Tennessee and Buffalo. So I think this is definitely uh, an offensive year, and you're going to see a lot of teams represented in the playoffs and the in the conference championships uh, at, because of their offenses, and that's what's going to help them get there. Unnecessary roughness. All right, back for another segment. We've got Neil Bear and Chance Dickman. Neil Bear actually on a golf course doing this thing, thing with dig right now. Don't want to yeah, mess up it. your golf game too much there, big boy. I birdied one, and then I went downhill from there. Well, I'm only on four, so we got time. No, no. I hope, you disrupt somebody. I hope you disrupt somebody on the green while they're trying to putt. They like <laughs> oh, no, We're, I, I backed off. Because you're doing a podcast while you're golfing. That's the closest tee box. The other green is way over. Oh, we're good, dude. I'm Are you going to do your slow-mo vids if you're going to be doing this? Like you have to do on every shot that you are. Oh, no, we're going to let people pass. I'm surprised he's wearing a hat, not letting his hair show. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, boys. <laughs> Before we get into it, uh, I want to ask you, now that the uh, Steelers uh, have lost one game with their loss against uh, the Washington football team, who do you boys think is the best team in the league right now? We'll go go ahead. Well, first off, I didn't think the Steelers were the best team in the football, uh, the football league that we're talking about right now, the NFL. Um, I didn't think they were the best team in the in the first place. I mean, you got the Chiefs. They have one loss. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you can't beat. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to take him to another Super Bowl. The AFC is, I think, the weaker of the two leagues at this point in time with Lamar Jackson on the who knows what he's going to do when he comes back from COVID. So, um, I mean, if you look at it, the NFC is looking pretty tough right now for, for the Packers. Um, with the Steelers losing last night, I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be a, a crash course for 
possibly the Saints. And if the Buccaneers can get hot, they still have the talent, man. Um, if they can get hot, they can meet up with either of those teams, the Packers or the Saints in the NFC Championship game. So, I say Chiefs hand down, hands down. I don't think uh, I don't think they've done anything to um, damage their their right to be the number one team, especially coming off a Super Bowl championship. You know, sure they lost that game to the Raiders. Raiders have proven that they can score against some really good teams. They've also proven that they can get beat by some really bad teams. Um, but until I think until we all see otherwise, I, I don't see anybody um, dethroning them at the top spot. Sure, Saints have been playing really, really well. They've gotten some pieces back. Michael Thomas obviously has helped that offense a lot. And their defense has been playing pretty well. But they play against a pretty suspect AFC or uh, NFC or uh, South, excuse me. So uh, until, until I see differently, I, I don't see anybody topping the Chiefs right now at number one. But they got two pretty tough weeks coming up on the road at uh, Miami and then on the road at New Orleans. What do what do you guys make about like uh, because a lot of people with the Chiefs, they're they're uh, a lot of people are saying the the biggest negative with them is that they don't close out games, and that almost kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, the the team that we kind of pay attention to the most is over there in Green Bay that they don't close out games. When it comes to like that with with like either the Chiefs or or Green Bay and, and closing out games and that, how much of a how much do you kind of factor that into it, or is that a little overplayed and a little over exaggerated at times? Well, I think it comes into play 100%. I would say almost every single game. If you don't close out, look at the Jets. I mean, the Jets are now still defeated because they can close out the Raiders. Packers, they could be the top seed in the NFC right now if they close out against the Colts a few weeks ago. So it comes into play in a lot of, a lot of scenarios. So um, when it comes down to it, you look at the playoffs last year, the Chiefs were down 24. They came back. They had to come back just to make it to the Super Bowl last year. So teams that can that can close out and score are going to win this year. I mean, defense, I don't think I've had this argument with several people. Defense no longer wins championships. You can look around any league. Yeah, Major League Baseball, maybe NBA defense. You think defense wins championships? Look at the Golden State Warriors, three out of four. Did they have the best defense in the league? They were up there. But look at the offense. So I think high-powered offenses, as long as they can continue and keep the gas on the mother truck and brakes, sorry, keep the, keep the foot on the mother truck and gas. That didn't make any sense at all. Um, if you keep the foot on the gas, like, like Matt LaFleur said last year, all gas, no effing brakes. And we just, if you see that from the Packers, I don't know who can really beat them. Their defense, they're starting to uh, create turnovers and, and do the right thing rather than giving up a lot of points. So um, I think they're on the right track. I'm going to, uh, I think Neil's bit, uh, has too much hair gel in today. <laughs> so I agree with him. I agree with him for the fact that uh, closing out games is a hundred percent needed. You have to do it. I'm going to disagree with this thing. The Packers defense scares me when it comes to closing out games, because truthfully they are a really porous run defense. And They've been playing against some really porous offenses. Granted, they won by 16 against the Bears on Sunday night football. They give up two pretty bad touchdowns. I get it. They're probably more in a prevent, like play not to lose the game rather than to win the game. They give up those two touchdowns. Then they give up two touchdowns within 90 seconds of each other against the Eagles. Sure, one is special teams, you know, partially is uh, sort of a defensive aspect of the ball, even though they were on offense kicking the ball away. I don't see enough out of that defense, honestly, right now to have supreme confidence when it comes to the playoffs and closing out a really good team with a really good offense. So say you match up against those Chiefs who have a really good offense and don't always have to rely on their defense. Well, if it wasn't for their defense this past week, the Chiefs would have lost to the Broncos at home. Um, the Packers have played two really bad offenses and still allowed their to uh, their breathing room to kind of close up a little bit in the past two weeks against two really bad offenses, and those offenses having actually pretty decent defenses. So yeah, sure, offense is going to win you probably a majority of the games in the NFL these days. But when it comes to playoffs, I don't have confidence right now that the Packers can stop the likes of a really good offensive team, maybe like the Saints, maybe like the Buccaneers if they if they really turn it on. 
I, I don't see that. And maybe if it comes down, you know, to the Super Bowl and having to face the Chiefs, it's going to be a shootout. But do you trust the Packers defense enough to make that stop at the end of a game or a tough play, you know, mid fourth quarter or right before the half to, to, to swing momentum? Right now, I don't see it. So going going back to Green Bay's defense here really quick, Zadarius Smith said after the game that him, Preston Smith, and Kenny Clark went to Mike Patton during the week and asked to simplify things and kind of get back to what they were doing a little bit last year and putting more pressure on the quarterback uh, at the end of games and and I would imagine to to kind of help close out those games. When you, when you hear a player like that, you know, my first reaction was I wonder how happy Mike Patton is to have Zadarius Smith going out there and saying that to the media that, Three guys went to him and asked him to, to kind of change things out. But, I mean, when you hear that, Mike Patton was already kind of under the microscope and you've got players, I would say I would say that they kind of agree with a lot of people or what they were thinking uh, initially with the defense. I mean, is that almost another, I guess, another nail in the coffin for Mike Patton, do you think, when you've got players going into his offense and asking to change things? Or do you view that as more of a, a positive thing when it comes to players doing that? I truthfully feel like, because Mike Patton has been in the hot seat for the last couple of years, how big of a sieve his run defense especially has been and how suspect the, the secondary has been, you know, granted a lot of injuries, the linebacking core um, sort of depleted with injuries and just, you know, lack there of, of speed and the ability to, to totally cover. Patton's been on the hot seat and he has three guys especially from last year who, you know, the Smith boys and Kenny Clark, who were the, the, the vocal points of that defense, especially um, up the middle and, and on the outside um, to rush the quarterback, put pressure on the quarterback, put pressure just on the offense in general. They, you have, we haven't seen a lot of that this year. Preston Smith up until the last couple of games has been kind of MIA. Um, I think we've all seen that. I think we can all agree on that. So maybe that's a spark that Mike Petton needs for his three core guys who, who are your, you know, your disruptors up front um, to come out and say something. Sure. You know, maybe he wasn't too pleased that they did it outwardly to the media, but look what happens when they get a little bit of freedom. Who, who knows if he, yeah, like I said, who knows if he liked it, that he, that he was, they were outward about it maybe to the media, uh, but obviously they had talked to him about it. And, um, and they said, Hey man, this is not working. Let us free. Let us, let us run. Let us, let us get out there. Let us rush a quarterback. And Carson Wentz <laughs> obviously was just bottled up all day. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a little bit different quarterback. I mean, Wentz is mobile, but uh, Hurts can get out there a little bit, but still put pressure on a young quarterback and, and let him make mistakes. I mean, that's, that's what that defense needs to do. They need to get at the quarterback more and rush more. Um, and and kind of let their playmakers on the outside, Jair Alexander and Kevin King, make plays. And for the most part this year, they've, they've been able to do that. So, yeah, I think he needed a little more fire on that hot seat. Uh, I'm going to take a little different angle on that and say it's transparency and trust between the player and, and the coordinator and the coach, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, Petten's been on the hot seat, but to be completely honest, I don't think he loses his job until the Packers lose a big game because of his defense. I don't, I don't foresee that him being on a hot seat until that becomes a thing. And they are, I don't want to say they're, they're not the bend but don't break defense of the past that they've been, you know, getting a ton of turnovers, giving up a ton of yards. Um, that sort of defense can win you games in the NFL because if you, if you do have a lot of ball hawks on that defense, you're going to give up 21 points, 24 points, 27 points each, each game just because you give up that many yards. But also, you're going to have the ball in great field position a lot of that time. And I feel like if they continue to force turnovers and get two or three, I mean, even one turnover per game, I mean, that defense, it's, yeah, it's a bend but don't break in a way. But um, they have playmakers in, in the defensive backfield. But like you said, Chance, I, I don't think they can stop uh, a Chiefs offense. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't turn over the football, guess what? The Chiefs are going to win by two touchdowns against the Packers every single time. It doesn't matter how well Aaron Rodgers plays. They're not going to score 45 points every single time. They look like it early on in the season, and then they had that slump of a game against Tampa Bay. But, yeah, I, I just don't foresee um, them scoring that many points and being able to outscore a team like the Chiefs with that much talent. So, um, yeah, maybe Petten needed a little bit of a boost to put pressure on the quarterback. We hate watching 
when you're up by two touchdowns, three touchdowns, and then you just sit back in coverage and then you give up yards, you give up points. That's the most decimating feeling of a fan sitting at home. Like, when is this game going to go haywire? You know, it's, it's a feeling we have almost every single Sunday. You saw it on Sunday against the Eagles. You had a comfortable lead in the fourth quarter. And then like that, Aaron Jones doesn't break a 77 yard touchdown or 70 plus yards. Guess what? That's a close game. So a lot closer if I can, if I can ask a question to your point really quick and Dan, maybe you can interject on this is so you, you mentioned like proving, proving that he can't handle it against uh in a big game. Well, I don't think, uh, I don't think too many people were pleased with last year's NFC championship or the first, you know, go around with the 49ers. Um, sure. That defense, especially rushing the quarterback was far more than what we've seen in the last five years with the Smith boys, especially, but the run defense still being porous and, and kind of a lackluster secondary, even though those two together in Alexander and King can play really well. I mean, last year's NFC championship was enough to probably get a lot of people, especially defensive coordinators fired because he hasn't done too much. And so if that game wasn't enough to prove it, and I get it, there were some injuries this late in the season, but for the most part, they still had all the same guys up front and, and those linebackers. So have we seen a little bit of difference this year? Not too much, truthfully. Not, not until now, you know, Zendarius has had a pretty good year, but Preston Smith's been kind of disappearing. Kirksey's not really there, um, especially with the injury. And, and obviously Preston Smith hasn't done anything all year up until the last couple of games. So, um, Dan, what's your comfortability with, with Petten in, in now, you know, another year after honestly getting torched last year by some pretty good offenses, especially in a game that did matter. You know, that, that was one game away from a Super Bowl. This is what and it was, it was, I was actually going to bring it up with you guys. This is probably one of the things that is most confusing for me is when you look at the different levels of this defense, Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Preston, <laughs> let's assume Preston Smith, you know, based off the last couple of weeks, maybe it was due to the fact that he's getting a little bit more free reign like last year. But you got Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, you've got Jair Alexander, who's one of the best corners in the league, and you've got solid players all across all across the defense too, if you want to put Adrian Amos, who's not a playmaking safety, he's a solid safety. Kevin King, when he's healthy, he's a good two corner. One of the things that perplexes me the most is that you've got players on this on this defense, right? You've got players, you've got good players. So why is it that this this defense can't consistently go out there and and perform at that level? You, you know, is it is it the player or is or is it the coach or is it that some of the players maybe are a little overrated or the, or we give too much credit to? I don't. That to me is one of the more perplexing things with this squad is that you've got like. At every level of that defense, good players or a good player or a, a stud player at, and yet you you look at like the Chiefs, for instance. So like when Neil said you don't trust the the Packers defense to kind of stop the Chiefs. Well, I mean, which defense would you rather have? Because the Chiefs have a good defensive lineman in Jones. They they've got the Honey Badger, and then you know Frank Clark. And can you name anybody else that at that level? I, I would say Green Bay's got more impact playmakers on defense, yet they are not playing up to that level and. Is it boiled down to it's the defensive coordinator calling the plays? And if so, why did he change so much from last year? What was working well with the pass rush for the longest time this year going away from that? Was he trying to to do different things to, to stop the run? And, you know, why did it take so long to realize, hey, this ain't working. So maybe we need to go back to what we actually can do well. I don't know. That's I don't have a lot of confidence in, in this squad. I, I think when you look at this team, they don't have not to take anything away from them because they're nine and three, but what's their signature win this year? I mean, the saints, when they played them saints was, on the road, what's that saints on the road, probably. I mean, if that or the Texans because it's Deshaun Watson. So I, you know, I don't know. Those, those are might be your two best ones right now. And that's why I don't know if, I don't know what to make of this defense. It's so perplexing to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Do, do you blame it on the, the scheme? Do you blame it on the change of how they've played? I mean, honestly, uh, I, I don't know, man. Um, Mike, Mike Patton, I don't think a Mike Patton type of coach. Look back in 2012 when the Packer, what was it? Was it 2012 when they got trashed in the NFC uh, championship game by um, Colin Kaepernick? Oh, no, that was just a playoff game, yeah. Playoff yeah. game. Okay, playoff game. You just got trashed. I mean, that offense for the Packers was really, really good. 
and you just got trashed by the, the 49ers. And that was the same style of quarterback who was going to hurt you today, right? Just because you, if you get pressure on the quarterback, he's going to be able to make plays. And that, I mean, you see that throughout the, throughout the game, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, even Jalen hurts. You can put him in that. If he starts, if he, he is starting this weekend. Um, but if he plays well, you're going to start to see that quarterback um, transform this game. And it, it, I mean, it, it already has, but um, this defense, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know what the problem is, um, but I don't think Petten's on the hot seat by any means because they continue to win. And they, they're, those jarring, those glaring mistakes aren't there except for in that Colts game and not even that glaring of mistakes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe you don't force – three turnovers or two turnovers and you give up a bunch of yards, but your team's still winning, you know, and you can blame it on the defense all you want when you lose games, but I don't think he's on the hot seat. I don't, You're I don't still know. winning, but are you winning the game at the end? Are you becoming too yeah. complacent then? I got, I got to, I got to disagree, man. I, uh, you look at the, the track record of a, of an Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, career, especially in the playoffs, he, he's, arguably done more than enough to win games and that defense continuously is there as the thorn in their side to let them down 2017 against the Falcons NFC championship. That was a real, that was a really good offense Atlanta. Understandably. So Aaron Rodgers played pretty well in that game with not even that great offense, to be honest with you, but made, made enough plays to probably keep that game close or potentially win it. If you had, some semblance of a defense. The Arizona Cardinals, when they played against Carson, or uh, yeah, what was that Carson? Yeah, it was Carson Palmer, the the uh, the Jeff Janis, the two Hail Mary, you know, mm. plays on that on that last drive. Defense again, no Randall Cobb gets hurt in that game. He has Jeff Janis, Jared Everdares to throw the ball to. Doug did way more than enough to win the game. He's done that. He's proven that. And unfortunately, that that's exactly how his career is going to go if he doesn't win another Super Bowl is they never gave him, A, maybe some more playmakers on offense, or his defense continues to let him down. The Super Bowl year, the defense was pretty darn good. Even though they were the sixth seed, they suffered some injuries. Even in the Super Bowl, they suffered injuries with Charles Woodson. But that team took the ball away, stopped the run for the most part, and at the end of the day, could close out a game. And that's something you don't see out of this defense. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's gotten off the hot seat from the past two years. I think maybe this year – it's not as hot, but still, they're 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 not doing great. I mean, and they're winning games because their offense is actually doing really really well. So so kind of going off that. So have we been wrong all this time about what the Packers needed to do in all these drafts? Everyone everyone wants him to get draft a receiver in the first round. Do it, just do it. Well, okay, so he can do everything with nothing right you saw him do it with uh jay kumaro i mean jared aberderis like you said all these guys that are not big name receivers when they leave these packers teams so they took jair first round right they took darnell savage first round they have all these first round defensive draft picks that not all of them have panned out i mean a a lot of them a lot of them during aaron Rodgers' tenure has been have been bad have been not great picks, right? Well, so isn't it three, have, three straight have years, four straight years, they they drafted back to back first, second round defense players, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So have we been wrong that they're, they're trying the right thing, they're doing the right thing, but they're drafting the wrong players. They're it on the right it, path, yeah. you know. So I mean, there's there's something you could think about. Maybe he doesn't need all these offensive weapons because they still average twenty eight to thirty points a game, even with I don't want to say the bad receivers but the average receivers. So I think it's I highlighted we're looking more, at it wrong. Yeah. I think it's highlighted more this year because the last game we saw them last year, they got torched on defense by the run. And then you go into the draft and you spend your first three picks on a quarterback, a running back and a H back tight end. And I think that's what got highlighted. It highlighted about it more is like, how are those players going to help you? I think, I think if you take Jordan Love out of there, but you put like Patrick Queen or even somebody else, it's probably not as focused anymore. I just think that probably got highlighted a lot more based off the NFC Championship game and then how they went about with the draft because there was like, I mean, Kamal Martin's probably the one guy that's getting the most playing time right now out of all that yep. whole draft class. Well, their top I mean, three picks haven't been playing. Mm-hmm. They're all out. 
So yeah, they did nothing truthfully to, to not, not that those players would to your point, Neil, but impact, you at least try to draft impact, right? Well, the biggest impact needed, sure. Maybe it's somebody to, to, to help out Aaron Rod- or Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams, but that the run defense was so bad. You get rid of Blake Martinez, who was a great tackler, great tackler, maybe lacked the speed, but look at the year he's had in, in New York with a team that doesn't have a good offense. And he's really came to play and stepped up in New York. So Kirksey got hurt. We knew that there was, there was injury problems in his history. How long was he going to be there? So now you have what Ty Summers, who is just not there as, as far as a developed NFL player at Kamal Martin um, <laughs> to, to plug up that middle. They didn't, they didn't address that. And yeah, sure. So that might be more on management um, instead of Mike Pettin, but you have to coach the players in front of you. And, and unfortunately it's, yeah, that's just the way the game is. That's the way the game is. You have to coach those players in front of you. And if you don't succeed with them, that's unfortunate, but that's, that's just kind of how the NFL is. So real quick talking about these drafts and how they've gone about things. So was Ted Thompson, the scapegoat in everything, them not winning Super Bowls? Because if Aaron Rodgers can do, can make gold out of chicken, crap if you want to put it that way if he can make something out of nothing they were trying the right thing I don't know um yeah the players that they've picked have not done well and like you named all those guys chance who's been better than Blake Martinez I mean in that linebacking core really nobody you can put Zadarius and Preston as linebackers but they're not they're not linebackers they're defensive ends um I don't know I I what's the answer that's why we're doing this (laughs) <laughs> and we're not drafting for the Green Bay Packers. So I I have no answer for you at this point. All right, boys, I think that's going to do it for us uh, for this week. Neil, we'll let you uh, try to attempt to hit a golf ball out there. Yeah, so. we'll see what happens. I don't know. If you guys want to stay live and watch me stroke one, no, not at all. I won't uh, no, no. Uh, no, we're not watching <laughs> <laughs> all right neil oh, oh, too much. neil chance appreciate it guys and uh we'll chat with you again next week Bye, all right, go, go pack go there you go after further review all right up for another after further review we've got our guy matthew poliak joining us here for uh, another segment here dude how you doing I'm doing well, Dan. How are you? I am doing fantastic, man. I've and got I, some topics for you today that are just going to pop. I, I You were texting me a few days ago, and you, my phone was just blowing up, and you had a bunch of stuff on your mind that you wanted to get to, so let's. I'm not even going to, you know. It starts, off with some, uh, it starts off with some awards, believe it or not, some five-eighths, almost three-quarters of the way of the season uh, through the season awards. I like it. Why don't just... <laughs> Go for it's it, a man. Prestigious, it's a prestigious award. It's called the uh, the Lowry's Award, uh, <laughs> and it's called the Lowry's Award because these uh, awards are given to guys who who aren't necessarily the the prime cut of meat. They're not the steak. They're not the T-bone. They're not the uh, three quarter pound pound Angus beef cheeseburger. You know that everyone salivates over. These are the this is the Lowry's guys who who are the seasoning. I like it. Aren't like the, the it. main course, but they're the seasoning that every meat requires to be as flavorful as it is, if you will. I like you that. Know, no steak, no steak tastes like uh, a world class steak by itself. You need that Lowry's on there mm-hmm. uh, to give it that extra, that extra kick. Right. So, I like it. Is, I like where your mind's going. Where are we yes. at? Who are we going with first? And there's, you know what, there's a lot of them. And uh, in years past, I've picked one or two guys. Um, this year, though, there's, uh, there's a lot of entries that we have. Um, and we can, we can debate whether or not these guys are more of steak or more of Lowry's Got uh, as we go through. So you, you okay. let me know if these guys are more of the uh, steak or the Lowry's. But so starting off, um, Elton Jenkins, mm. Lowry's guy. I mean, what what a versatile guy on the line. He can play anywhere. He uh, does his job very well. You know, it seems like Bakhtiari uh, always gets the the brunt of the publications and the mm-hmm. the high the highlights and everything. But boy, what a what a job he's done this year. I think what's what I'm most impressed about with Elton Jenkins, 
you know, it one, it's his second year. I mean, he's not even that much of a veteran. He's in his second year and he's played at every position. But on top of that, playing center for Aaron Rodgers. It's not like you I mean, this is a guy that is very particular. We've seen him. I mean, you got to be on your toes trying to catch the extra guys on defense, the hard count. And honestly, and no offense to, to Corey Lindsley, but we haven't seen anything like high snaps, low snaps, false starts or anything like that. And this dude is a second. You, you got a guy that could play left tackle one snap and then go over and play center the other snap. And then I, I, I've been high on Elton Jenkins these last couple of weeks and the, the Swiss Army knife, really, right. of, that, of that offensive line. No yep. question about it. Yep. So, uh, you know, and perfect analogy, Aaron Rodgers right behind him taking the snaps. That's the Lowry's getting sprinkled right onto the stake right there. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I like it. I like it. Uh, next up, we have uh, Raven Green. Mm. Been filling in a bunch of holes this year. Doesn't necessarily uh, make the headlines or the, the big stats, but uh, makes a lot of tackles. He's all over the field. He's uh, covering tight ends, wide receivers, the slot. He's covering deep. Um, not flashy, but uh, mm-hmm. gets the job done. Kind of day in and day out guy. Yeah, when he got hurt, and I know Matt LaFleur mentioned that he's really concerned about that, but I was, like, wondering, too, like, I was, like, hoping it's not long-term, but it kind of sounds like it is. That's a guy that's he's your dime backer that's covering the tight end, helping out in the running game. I mean, he's I think he's one of the more underrated aspects of this defense. I know a lot of people don't like to point to a lot of positives or think there's a lot of positives, but he's one of those guys that he's asked to do a bunch of different stuff, and if if he's done – I don't know who you put into to, to that spot there, Matt. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you just can't substitute for a Lowry's guy like that. You got to have – I don't know what you do if you get some Mrs. Dash or some uh, <laughs> great, great value season salt or what, what you put there. So um, next up we have uh, – and this this is this one might we might debate a little bit because he's he might be a little uh, – little filet you know he's not the big steak he might be a little steak but uh jamal williams Mm. this guy i mean just electrifies everything that he you know he gets the ball and he's just amped up he's on the sidelines he's getting i mean this that's this is your if you were to look up the lowry's awards on wikipedia it would be a picture of jamal williams because this guy just he seasons everybody he's making it making the season taste good i had a i had a chance to interview him at radio row i interviewed aaron jones first and then jamal williams was right after and you talk about two guys with completely different personalities aaron jones yes sir no sir yes sir no sir and i remember my first question to to jamal williams was something about uh his dance moves, and this was after his rookie year and his answer was i just like to shine you you know it's 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 that it's that energy and I don't, I mean, let me throw this back at you. If it's going to cost Aaron Jones $10 million per year or Jamal Williams $4 million per year, does that change your mind and who you keep or don't keep? Well, you know, I, I'd like to keep them both. Yeah. I'd like to keep them both. Uh, I, Aaron Jones is just so good. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Jamal Williams to death, but Aaron Jones is just such a dynamic. I mean, that's your stake. You know, he's not a Lowry's guy. He's the, he's the prime cut of meat there. So, um, you know, and then we had mentioned Corey Lindsley earlier, Mm -hmm. if he's injured, you know, and he's coming up on a, you know, trying to re-sign him, maybe they, we've seen Elton Jenkins can play center, you know, is it, is that a signal now that maybe it won't be so hard to let go of Corey Lindsley? I don't know. I think it is, and I think because I was a little surprised because I knew Lucas Patrick was their backup center for the last couple of years, and I figured that would just be the guy to to kind of take that spot, you know, slide him in over there since he's had experience with it. But uh, they're doing something with that offensive line. Uh, even like with this last game, I think everybody just expected Runyon, you know, the rookie to come in and start, and Rick Wagner goes in, and they really shuffled everything. I mean, they moved Patrick from right guard to left guard, Billy Turner from right tackle to right guard. I mean – Matt LaFleur has been saying it's going to, we're playing the five best players, but they, to have that versatility on that offensive line and those guys playing that multi, those multiple positions like that. Uh, it, it, it's a credit to, I think, Adam Stenovich, Marshfield native Adam Stenovich over there, their offensive line coach for, for getting them prepared. But talk, talk about making things a lot easier too, when you have offensive linemen that are able to do that and still play at a, still play at a damn high level. I mean, that, that's remarkable. Level. Yeah. Extremely high level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, it's funny you mentioned Matt LaFleur uh, because he's my final uh, Lowry's award winner um, for his offensive uh, mind in collaboration with Aaron Rodgers. Now, Matt LaFleur probably is more of the steak. He's probably more of your uh, New York strip, some bacon maybe. But uh, I don't care. I'm, it's my award, and I'm going to give it to him. Uh, the dude just – he's got it figured out. I mean, some, I mean, some weeks he hasn't, but – for the most part, I love this guy to death. He's great. For a guy who doesn't didn't have a whole lot of experience, what one year play calling before he got the job for Green Bay was offensive coordinator for the Rams, but we know McVay calls play, so he goes to Tennessee to get that experience and then comes in and re- this is his only third year calling plays, and he's looking like Andy Reid out there uh, with, with some of that stuff out there. So I agree with you. I agree with you. It's for something that we have seen for the longest time and under Mike McCarthy, and I'm not trying to knock McCarthy or anything, but to, to see something completely different. And really you could tell that this is an offense that is scheming guys to get open. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, I thought, Hey, Devonte Adams, this offense, we, we talk about how this offense is going to help the running game and Aaron Rodgers, But I, th- I thought it was going to actually help expose Devonte Adams a little bit more, you know, when you can put him in motion and you can scheme him open and, well, look at what the dude's doing so far this year. It's it's unreal what yep. some of the numbers he's putting up. Yep, yep. And if we're going to split hairs, if there's any listeners out there that want to split hairs about Lafleur being a, a stake instead of Lowry's, then I'll give the Lowry's award to uh, Nathaniel Hackett, just uh, <sighs> part of the offensive mind, the brain that uh, is powering this unstoppable Packers offense. Mm-hmm. So I agree. And I know a lot of people didn't like him right away because he's coming from Jacksonville and all that, but Hey, players are buying into him right now. Players love him, especially Rodgers. Seems to work. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So that's the uh, those are the Lowry's awards for uh, you know five eighths of the way through the season. Usually, I, I do a halfway and at the end of the season, but uh, I like it. I was late on my halfway Lowry's awards, so <laughs> it's hard. I'll to get to the store. I'll, yeah, I'll get to the store and make sure all those guys get their uh, big economy size Sam's Club bottle of lowry salt <laughs> i love it i love it it's hard to believe there's only one quarter left of the regular season you know after yeah. after tonight's game with was dallas and baltimore but now only just four games left it's it's i, I it's flown on by i feel like we say that every year but especially this year it's really flown on by so far well with games being played every day seemingly every day of the week it really has thrown a wrench in people's concept of time you know Mm -hmm. that the season has gone it you know since we've been privileged to have games every day of the week it seems like it's that's what's making it fly by faster is because you got games monday tuesday you know monday sometimes tuesday thursday friday or not friday but uh we've played games almost every day of the week so i think that's really messed with people's concept of time the Mm -hmm. season hey let me ask you this question quick uh adams or aaron Rodgers? If you had to, if you had to pick between those two guys for not MVP but like offensive player of the year, just between those two guys, who would you give it to? Ooh, man, that is a great question. That is a tough one. Um, I'm gonna go. I don't I'm even go know Bonte if I can Adams. Yeah, I think kind of... I'm gonna go a slight edge just because Rodgers always does this mm-hmm. every season. So, you know, he's meeting expectations, um, meeting, you know, this isn't anything we haven't ever seen before out of him. It's And that's awesome to be able to say right. that he has seasons like this year in and year out. So I think the slight edge goes to Devontae Adams just because, you know, he's been good, but this year he's been phenomenally good mm-hmm. um and some of the catches he makes and the moves he makes running is the second to none i mean this guy just is i don't know how you can't say he's the best wide receiver in the nfl i i completely agree i mean he's he's not you know deandre hopkins is gonna get on that list but Devontae's not six five he's not six four he doesn't run a four three forty he's six two six one and you know, it was like, what, a 4-4, or something like that. He does everything. You can line him up in the slot. You can line him up for on the outside for a deep ball for, for crying out. I mean, this is the best we've seen Devontae Adams. And the scary part of it is 
is I think he's starting to believe in himself too. And that he's just gaining that confidence and that swagger about him. I mean, after that big catch, you know, the whole crawling on the field, I loved it because I feel like he's like, he's like understanding. He's like, dude, I'm good. I'm, and I'm, I'm yeah, starting to gain that confidence right now. And he's what he missed two games, right? Yeah. He missed two games mm-hmm. and he's still, yeah. he, so. he is the perfect example. I think of like people won't give him the respect when his career is done with, because they'll box score scout him and look at his stats and see, well, he didn't have a lot of a thousand yard seasons or anything like that. So how good was he really? Or they'll use but, the Aaron Rodgers argument. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Aaron Rodgers won him the ball. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I could, and I think it's between those two, they each make each other that much better, especially this year, especially this year, yeah. I believe. Well, I got another uh, bone to pick. Got another topic. Go for it. It's uh, the necessities for your ideal Packer tailgate or party. Uh, and I changed it. It was going to be tailgate, but being that we're in 2020 and nobody's really the tailgate, the traditional tailgating isn't really taking place. Mm-hmm. I'm examining uh, what it is that people are are having at their Packer. Uh, parties so their watch parties mm-hmm. and uh, some must-have items that you've got to have at your at your parties so what, uh, what, what do you have um mine i mean i think the must-haves uh, you know not to be plain or anything like that probably be brats for sure and i was just thinking about, i mean i was just thinking about this watching that game i'm like how much i miss being at lambo in the atmosphere you know it's not maybe necessarily the game but it's like the atmosphere of the tailgating beforehand right. and just everybody in the stadium and like the smell of charcoal grills on a winter night, you know, yep. it's different than in summer. It's better in a winter night. That that's the stuff you I miss coming from every direction. You uh-huh. got people shouting and laughing and exactly. playing games. Yeah. It's, that was the first line of my notes was obviously we'd rather be tailgating at Lambeau, but it's 2020. So mm-hmm. we've had to uh, alter that a little bit. So uh, I've got uh appetizers and snacks what do you what are your go-to uh finger foods for appetizers and snacks i'm a big uh taco dip and a buffalo chicken dip type yep. kind of guy for okay. for the dips i'm a big dip yep. guy taco dip and buffalo chicken sure sure mm-hmm. and uh i have i have to say i'm a fan of the snacks over the i've been to many tailgates at lambo and it's not that i don't like uh, the full-on meals that people like some people go all out and they have yeah. like a full-on you know meal that you can go through and it's like mm-hmm. I I gotta be a snack guy I can't give my full attention to a, a full meal mm-hmm. I can only do you know I, I'm more of like a guerrilla warfare type guy at a tailgate I'll just go up and attack the the chips and salsa and then bounce back a little bit have a beer yep. bounce grab some mini corn dogs or whatever it is that people get you know any corn dogs who has those at a tailgate but um <laughs> some people do yeah so i i can't commit to like a full i don't know how people do it i'm just not one of those people where you have a full plate of food mm-hmm. and you you know you're focused on that I, my focus needs to be on snacking and the game so i'm That's, a big believer I, in snacks and finger foods i like it um, I obviously you got to have the uh the beverages you got to have you know your case or two of your favorite beer um mm-hmm. cocktails obviously uh, and the flask, that's kind of an unsung hero of the tailgate. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're one of those that are uh, able to uh, sneak one into the game, I mean, that can you can be the hero of your section if you show up with a with I didn't a even think of that. So, wow, that's a, I didn't even think of that. That's a good call right there. I yep. think that's one of the – that's like a Raven Green type of pick right there. Yes, yes, yep. I like that. So, uh, yeah, and so yeah, and I said tunes. You got to have the right, uh, mm-hmm. got to have the right tunes going. Now, I'm more of a classic rock guy, so when I'm when I'm uh, pregame, postgame, I got to have the the classic rock going. I I just I think it goes better with everyone. Mm-hmm. I think the so, one tip on that too is to make sure uh, you don't uh, drain your car battery. Been there before playing the tunes. Oh, sure. Sure, yeah. and then i've had to jump a couple people too because of that there <laughs> but you that's something yeah. like too i think you and i've talked about with like the tunes at lambeau field they got to change that thing up i i'm sorry but they've got to 
I don't know if it's a generation gap or something like that, but uh, there's just it's the same stuff week in and week out or every game that you're there. It's it, it's. I'm pretty sure they still sneak a Creed song in there. <laughs> you know, this so year if they had people, if they had like fans in the stands, you could probably guarantee there'd be a lot more Creed songs in there, given with Pat yeah, McAfee I mean, and everything just, going on. It's it's crazy. So yeah, they definitely got to up their game. That was going to be a topic for uh, future. We'll have to revisit that because yeah. That's on my list of things to discuss. Lambo needs up their sound guy game. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, oh, here's one. Are do you prefer to uh, do you prefer to listen to say uh, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman versus Larry and Rock on the radio, or you know I've seen people where they have it set up where you listen to Larry and Rock on the radio while you're watching it on TV. Yeah. Um, I think right now, because I stream the games, so I don't, I'd I'd rather just listen to what's on TV because otherwise there's that gap in between. That's why I kind of stay off Twitter during a game too, because if I refresh it, then I'm like, like for instance, I broke my rule this past Sunday and I was, uh, I saw that Raven green had the interception or not. uh, Darnell Savage had the interception at the end before I actually saw it in person, you know, stuff like that. So that's why I, I guess I'm not, I don't hate Joe Buck and Troy Aikman like like a lot of people. I I you know I I understand that they've got this thing against him. But I don't think they're the worst announcing crew uh in in football. Do they have some annoying tendencies? Absolutely. Um but if I had to pick between the two, what would I rather listen to? Well, it's going to be Wayne and and Larry, you know, 10 times out of 10 between those guys just uh I could listen to Wayne all the time and I think Larry's gotten you know, from when he first started to where he's at now, he's gotten pretty dang solid uh, at his profession. Yep. Yeah, I, there, I've heard from people that there's a, something you can get to attach to your either your radio or your TV that syncs up, syncs mm-hmm. it up time wise. But I've not dove that deep into it to look. Yeah, I haven't either, and I don't know if that affects like if you have cable or like streaming or something like that too. I don't know, but that'd be that'd be smart to figure that out. Yes, yes, it would. All right. You got anything else on that docket over there? Uh, I was, yeah, that was just the, uh, the future coming up. We're going to talk to the Lambo sound guys. Yeah. Yeah. We got a deep dive into that uh, in another one. I wanted to ask you something though. Um, So looking at, so green Bay's coming off of a loss or excuse me, a win against Philly. Looking at this team, they're nine and three. Do they have a signature win on their resume so far? Do you count the Saints as a signature win, even though it was so early in the season, too? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, the Saints be a, a good one. Another one, I think, um, is the Vikings week one. I mean, I know it's early on in the season, but it's mm-hmm. the Vikings week one at Minnesota. Granted, there's no fans, but still, it's to start your season off with that kind of a tone – where you just demolish your your division rival at their mm-hmm. place really, I think set the tone for the rest of the the way so far. Mm-hmm. So I would say yes. I I mean they're they're kind of scraping their way back in. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I don't know if it's a signature win, but it's definitely in my book a quality a quality win. What do you make of uh, Zadarius Smith saying after the game that him? Preston Smith and Mike or, uh, Kenny Clark went to Mike Patton and asked him to simplify things and kind of do stuff to what they did last year. Do you take that as a positive or do you take that as a, as maybe more of a negative towards Mike Patton because those guys, it looks like are worth thinking the same thing that a lot of us were thinking. And they finally had to go to their D coordinator and say, Hey, can you, can we get back to what we were doing last year a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think it's good that they're communicating those things. Uh, you know, you keep that stuff bottled up and just, you know, sooner or later it's going to boil over and then you're really going to say something you don't mean. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that they're, uh, voicing their opinions. I think those are good, um, senior guy, you know, seasoned veteran voices that Mike Petton should listen to. They're the ones out there on the field. They're seeing it, they're playing the game. So their perspective is definitely uh, should be welcomed by Petten. Now, whether or not it happens is, I don't know, another story, but right. um, 
I think, yeah, anytime there's guys that are, that are going to communicate with their coach that they're frustrated with something or would like to see change, I'd rather see them go to the coach and say it than, you know, keep it in and just act like OBJ on the sideline and headbutt the kicking net <laughs> and whatever. So, or go to the media and talk to the coach through the media or something like that. Right. That'll never right. End well so, either, yeah, so. I guess I didn't, I didn't see that. So they must've, you know, how did someone just overheard that Zadarius Smith told them that they did that or what? Uh, he mentioned it in his post game presser. So I don't know, you know, I, I can't remember what the exact question was, but he brought it up in the, uh, in the post game presser. So uh, he, he was the one who went out there and, and said that this is what we did. Preston, Kenny and myself went to Petten and, you know, said, can we just kind of simplify stuff and uh, maybe attack a little bit more later in games and close those out? So, and he said they've been doing it the last couple of weeks. And well, you look at Preston Smith the last couple of weeks, it's probably been his two best games throughout the whole year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see where, where it might appear to be a little bit of a negative now because Zadarius basically telling the press, this is, <laughs> this yeah. is what worked before. And we're trying to keep it that way. And so if it doesn't, if it doesn't change or it doesn't work anymore, it's not going to be on us because you know right. which side of the fence we're on. So yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering too. I'm like, wonder how Mike Patton, a guy who's probably on the hot seat now, is yeah, maybe his best or one of his best defensive players, is going out there and saying, "Yeah, we went and told him to change this, and look what's going on right now." So yeah, I don't, I don't. Mike Patton might have a different feeling on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he probably a little, a little pissed, but yeah, whatever. Results are the only thing that matters. So that's right. That's right. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us for uh, another awesome segment uh, from Mr. Matthew Poliak, Matt Poliak, for after further review, Packers-Lions going with the Packers this week, or are you going to pick a pick an upset? The Matt Patricialess Lions are going down. I like it. Even though they had that come-from-behind win against the Bears. I, I mean, I was cheering the whole time. I Watching the Vikings in Jacksonville and – Chicago, Detroit. It was just so awesome. Jacksonville mm-hmm. almost pulled that one off. So that would have been a huge, huge yeah. week for us. Yeah. Uh, I wow. think the Lions got their emotional win with their interim coach out of the way. Uh, they, they, we don't have to worry about that this weekend then for Darryl Bubble. Yep. So, yep. All right, Matthew. Good stuff as always, bud. Let's do it again next week, okay? All right. Sounds good. Blue 58. Blue 58 said hot. Green 19. Green 19 said hot, 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 hot. Wrapping up things on this latest episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast with uh, another hard count segment. And I was listening to another radio program the other day, and they were talking about, you know, elite quarterbacks. Do you need an elite quarterback to get to the Super Bowl? Do you not need an elite quarterback to get to the Super Bowl? And, you know, one side made their arguments why you don't. One side made their arguments why you do. My my argument you just need a good team. I, 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 I'm I kind of getting tired, and it's kind of getting annoying whether you need an elite quarterback to, to win a Super Bowl or not. Here's the thing. You have examples of both sides. Baltimore with their defense, with Trent Dilfer. Um, you can go back to even like the Bears went to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman, Brad Johnson with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was defense. Go to the 85 Bears with, with Jim McMahon. So you have examples. You have examples of teams doing it without elite quarterbacks, and you have examples of teams doing it with elite quarterbacks. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre. list goes on and on and on, right? Here's what you need to win a Super Bowl. You need a good team. You need a good overall team. Not just a good quarterback or not just a good defense. You need a good team, good coaches, good players, and a little bit of luck. That's what it takes to win a Super Bowl. It's not one thing or the other. So this whole fascination and this whole whole debate, and I think that's all it is, is it, it sparks a conversation and it gets people to, to debate and all that. It, it It's simple to me. You just need a good team, a team with good players. A team with a good coaching staff, a team with a good front office that that's going to build a good team, and a little bit of luck. It's those four things. It's not, you know, it's not just well. You need that elite quarterback to get there. You or, or you don't need that elite quarterback. You just need a really good defense and a, and a quarterback that can manage it. 
there's too many examples of one of of each way of 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 a different team winning it every year. It's not one way or the other. If it was one way or the other, teams would be copying it. Teams would be doing the same exact thing every week or every every year. How do you win a Super Bowl? By just having a good overall team. That's why they call football the ultimate team game. One player can't make the difference. You need an overall good team to get the job done. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast. Big reminder, if, if you're not subscribing to the podcast, do me a favor and do so and then rate it. Just make it a good rating. Um, but uh, that way other football fans can find the podcast, share it with your friends, send it on over. We're available on all the uh, popular podcasting platforms out there. Uh, big thanks to Chance Dickman, Neil Abair, and Matt Poliak uh, for their segments again this week. Hey, we're entering the final quarter of the regular season people of the nfl season playoffs are just around the corner believe it or not uh but that's going to do it for this episode for the man cave football podcast i'm dan casper